Um, so the sower of the harvest of life is is the the quality of the enlightened Virgoan. And there's many things we could go into. I can go into the similar of the glyph. So what you get is the Virgo. I think is one of the two Virgo Scorpio. The the the, the glyphs are actually triple. There's three. It's an M sign downwards. And in Virgo, what you really have in the third M, and it's a triplicity, right? It refers to the father, son, mother, triplicity. But you, what you really have woven around one of the legs of Virgo is the serpent, the serpent of lust, the serpent of desire, the serpent of wisdom, the dragon of fiery life. That's what's woven around one of the arms. That's what forms this third point of the Virgoan symbol. In Scorpio, you have um, the third leg with a point going upwards, which is um, the energy of the masculine energies sort of um, um, going upwards to to fecundate life or the aggressive martial material qualities of of um, of the scorpion and also the scorpion sting. So um, so the serpentine energy is also symbolised in the glyph of of Virgo. We can go all into all of the glyphs if we want. I've gone a little bit into Aries and a little bit into Taurus, I sort of didn't sort of go much into Cancer with the two um, um, claws of the crab. Incidentally, the claws of the crab, uh, when the crab hangs onto something in, in Cancer because of the desire principle, it lateraloos a hand to let go of that thing. It's the nature of the intensity of the emotions, and that's one of the qualities of the Cancerian. Um, so these symbols are, are quite quite important uh, to actually understand more and more of the esoteric meanings of symbols, the way the signs of the zodiac actually portrayed. Um, in Gemini, it's just the symbol of the pillars of the temple. So we go from Virgo to the seventh sign of the zodiac, um, one of the cardinal crosses, which is Libra. Libra is the wheel of life, the entire wheel of the, of the law, of the law of God, and it's ruled by Saturn exoterically, uh, it's a t- uh, hierarchically, Venus exoterically. Um, it's the law of karma and the law of of everything that revolves and turns in space. All chakras turn and spin. And so Libra governs the way and rate and um, of the turning chakras within the human being, within the planet, within the cosmos. Uh, my particular... Um, symbol here, my card shows Libra on top of one of the pillars of the temple as a great wheel that's turning and the wheel has got six spokes. The six spokes can relate to the, the six, um, the six um, realms of Buddhist philosophy, the realm of titans, the realm of purgatory, the human realms, the animal realms and so forth, that type of symbolism, um, to, to, the the various elements of desire, the symbolism of the the um, interlaced um, triangles of the seal of Solomon and everything associated with that. But what what comes from the geometry of Virgo is the twelve spheres, which relate to twelve creative hierarchies. But on the whole, I've got here are the pans which hold two globes. One globe is the past, and that's a ten sign zodiac. And um, one globe is the future, which is a ten-sign zodiac, and they interrelate to form the globe of the present, which is the hub of, of this particular pans, and that's the twelve-sign zodiac. 
the 12 signs zodiac is really part of the great illusion it's the way of the heart but um, later on you'll find that everything is the heart and the head which is ruled by the number 10 10 is the number of perfection the number of god 12 is the number of consciousness expanding and if you look at the, the little signs of the zodiac that i've i'm putting the pans here you'll find that that in the two ten sign zodiacs there's different signs that are united to form one and the past is um is uh for instance virgo leo and uh, the future um is uh something else altogether um two signs that, that have united to replace that uh, so we're going from but what I'm really going to hear is the symbolism of the number 10 to the number of 12 um, <laughs> and to the number 6 to the number 5 when looking at the, the halves of that and the mandala of time and space because uh, everything's got to do with the 5 and the 6 and the way they interrelate. The pentagram and the hexagram, the pentagram and the hexagram. Um, the flowers, for instance, of the chakras are based on the hexagram and the grid work of the nadi system is based on the pentagram. And so when you actually do the geometry of the pentagram, you'll find that the entire Nadi system comes from that. When you do the flowers, the chakras that come from the Nadi system, it's all based on the hexagram. So this is all symbolized by, by Libra. But anyway, it's the wheel of the law. It's the wheel of karma. So in Libra, it's the, it's, um, the sign where there's no real extremes. The Libran um, is the judge, obviously, because that's karma. They, they can judge. They can think very clearly because the Venus is the mind that, that allows them to think. Um, but on the whole, it's where the sign where often karma is cleansed. The wheel just turns on in Libra between all extremes. Um, and hopefully in Libra, you are going to the hub of the wheel of life. It's uh, another cardinal sign which makes it very difficult again to properly explain. Um, exoterically, it's the balance between opposing desires. So the, the Libran, the average Libran sort of, as I said, has no real extremes in the whole. They sort of like a, a mixture, a, a potpourri of all these different types of desires and energies and way of thinking. Um, if they can use their mind properly, then they'll think something out and they'll stick to that quite, quite like a judge or a ruler of a country. They'll stick to that quite, quite sternly, and they they, they roll on their, their their natural course of events onwards until they've completed their lifespan. Esoterically, um, it's uh, called the intermediary between the breath of God. By, by that we mean the inward and the outward breathing cycles. When you go into meditation, you know that there's an expiration, an inspiration, and a holding of breath. And it's in that point of the holding of the breath between breathing in and breathing out that Libra governs. And it's when the holding of the breath, um, and that point of stillness, of the quietude of the mind, when the breath is held, where the visions come where the enlightenment consciousness comes. Right? When you're busy counting breaths or whatever you're doing, inwards and outwards, your mind is active. It's doing this or it's doing that. And the um, the Sanskrit term is ahi. ahi. Um, but um, when you're neither breathing in or breathing out, then you're an enlightened being. And you stand in this intermediate zone between extremes, at the hub of the wheel of life. Um, you can think of it as the eye, 
in the cyclone, the heart of the cyclone. The cyclone is raging around you, and there you are, absolutely quiet and peaceful, no matter what's around you. And so um, Libra is the sign of contemplation, of meditation, of meditative lifestyle for, for, the, for the path of aspiration. Um, the, the sign where enlightenment consciousness or monastic type of lifestyle of your wish is quite possible. So it's the, the interlude between the breaths, the breath of God. And so um, it's that quiet chamber in the heart of life. You go into your heart center um, and you stay with an absolute peace and serenity. That's the enlightened or the, the disciple in Libra. And this is um, governed by Uranus, the seventh ray of ceremonial magic in the planet of occultism. And this links Libra to Aquarius because the exoteric rule of Aquarius is Uranus in this color violet. Um, it produces the magician, this ability to stand in the middle of all energies. So all the energy paths that um, cross through any chakra or any nadi system, the very heart of that is the Libran quality. Okay. Um, so this is one of the reasons why it's difficult to explain, because it's not really any extremes, it's that which brings all into a unified whole and evolves it onwards into time and space. And um, yes. esoterically, it's the adjudicator of the law. Technically, for instance, Moses, who brought down the Ten Commandments, was a Libran. Um, you know, the Ten Commandments was on Mount Sinai, the Capricornian quality, and uh, and uh, but the lawgiver was Libra. Is Libra the um, the Capricorn is the um, is the mount of the law, mount of the law of karma, and Libra is the one who gives out the karma, or dishes out the karma, or meets up the karma. It's the judge, the lawgiver, and so they can be quite cruel if you, you know, the 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 Libra, and if they've gone into materialism, um, and can sometimes judge wrongly or ruthlessly, or they can be equanimous and judge with a very very open hearted. Uh, so, the adjudicator of the law. The next um, sign after Libra is my favourite sign in many, many ways. Uh, the most interesting of all the signs, the most intriguing signs, is Scorpio. Scorpion. And as you all know, Scorpio has got a sting. And the Scorpions can be very nice and gregarious sort of people. It's another watery sign. And, and all of you know the, the problems of the waters, of the emotions. But uh, the Scorpio can sting. In other words, they can lash out at you. Um, they're nice and nice and you know, happy-go-lucky all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, you've said something wrong, or something has sort of in, infuriated them, or made them angry, and they they lash, they they sting you, and then they go back into whatever they are. And um, so that's one of the problems with the Scorpio type of personality. Uh, the Scorpio is again ruled by Mars, god of war, of desire, very very desirous. Of the waters, um, it's uh, so. There's a lot of it's everything to do with humanity. All of humanity is governed by Scorpio. So the human kingdom as a whole is Scorpionic. Um, they live in the deserts, and matter of fact, you can find them in many, many places. But often the symbolism of Scorpio really is the desert. And um, in my particular 
um, picture. I've got um, the Hercules, the sun god, um, battling the nine-headed Hydra, which is one of his uh, one of his uh, tests, and and um, overcoming it, which we'll go into later. But this is this sign where the tri- the disciple stands triumphant, because here, um, whenever you have um, in the natal chart a Scorpio person or aspects, heavily aspected to, to Scorpio, then you have all of the tests and the trials of discipleship in Scorpio. In my book, in Divine Causation, I have far more information on this sign than any other because of the nature of these tests. Um, everything to do with overcoming desire in the material world is um, is here to do with itself. Either you get lost in all the, the pettinesses of desire um, and the rash of materialism and people's emotions and what they desire, desire sort of sex, the desire material comforts, they desire a lot of food, they desire to go here, they desire to do that. That's all Scorpio. Um, everything to do with the desire and the martial quality is exemplified, brought to the nth degree in Scorpio. Scorpions, therefore, very passionate type of people. Um, they said the desire can, can sort of um, sting you whenever one aspect of the desire is frustrated. So it's the battlefield of desire, exoterically ruled by Mars. And esoterically also Mars. Mars, the god of war, blood. The colour of blood is red here. And the, the desert is red. And um, the nine-headed hydra, which the Scorpio disciple must battle, has got three heads has got to do with the material world. Um, sex, money, material comforts. Um, so they have to battle those three heads um, in order to stand triumphant above them. Um, three heads got to do with the um, emotional world. Um, we got fear, pride, and um, I think selfishness. No, that's the sex thing. And then three heads to do with um, with mental emotions, ambition, hatred, separativeness. Right, and they have to battle these types of qualities. And the whole back of the high is ignorance. Ignorance of the nature of the laws of life, ignorance of materialism, ignorance of spiritual laws and so forth. And so um, in Scorpio, they, they battle one or the other heads and depends on what's aspected in the natal chart. So um, you're looking at these heads on out of these aspects of this head of the hydra that that particular disciple that particular person is um, being bewildered by or else trying to master in that life the scorpio generally is a sign where somebody's expected to master something of the desire element of these heads of the hydra and um, the only way to beat the hydra is, is um, as hercules here has done Hercules originally started his first thing that he did was was club to death a a lion, which is his pride. Uh, To walk on the spiritual path, you must eliminate pride. You must deal with the pride element, um, first of all. Pride is the great killer to your spiritual life. If you can't be humble, you can't bow before any teachings, you won't learn anything new, you can't receive impressions from God, and and so forth. So the first thing to do with the path is kill pride. Or start to work upon it 
Um, and that's what Hercules did. And then he wore the lion skin around him. And this particular thing, his club, he had to throw down his bow and arrow that he used, his lion skin, they all had to be cast in. And he had to battle the Hydra completely naked, completely bereft of all of these um, things because this Hydra is himself, um, his own desires, and he has to use his own inner strength to do so. And he has to take the Hydra away from the stench of its lair, the filthy, murky astral realm of people's emotions and incessant desires. And he had to actually, if he fought this particular hydra in its, in its lair, he lost. It was too strong. Every time he cut off one head, two more would take its place. Two more aspects of desire. And all of you know, some of the people, for instance, will try to stop smoking or whatever. They know that uh, <laughs> it's just so hard to do so. So whenever he cut off one, two more would take its place. He couldn't do it in its lair. He had to take it out of its lair, out of that murky, um, festering pool where breeds all these desires, our materialistic civilization for instance, and stand on solid ground and then lift the hydra up in the air, get on his knees first of all, um, symbol of humbleness, and then lift the hydra up in the air into the spiritual sky, into the area elements, and um, there away from its lair and dried out by the sun, the radiance of, of enlightenment consciousness, the hydra could be defeated um, without any other force but his own inner strength. And so that's what we've got there. And so the desert here, full of of the viper, is the in the in the prickly things. There's the desert of materialism of our particular civilization, with all of these um, people that are bereft of love. They're busy taking from each other. They have their spiky fawns in their personalities. They're irritable. They're selfishness. They're separative, and all the rest of it. They're bereft of love, and that's the desert of our materialism. And that's the symbolism of Scorpio with its vipers and all the poisonous things that can sting and bite you. Um, therefore, esoterically, um, the, the martial quality in Scorpio um, produces these strong desires, these strong sort of impulses and things that the scorpion has. But also, it's used by the disciple to overcome the lusts of life. And so that the, tri- the sign of the triumphant disciple. And above that, in the esoterically, it's ruled by Mercury, of the fourth ray, and um, the sword bearer of the Lord of Life. Basically, what happens, the, the higher symbolism of Scorpio is the eagle. And the, the, um, the triumphant disciple is the eagle that soars above the landscape and can look down upon everything in the material world that he's mastered with that eagle eye of, of, of real discernment. Right, so it's the, 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 the eye of vision. And, um, so the, the Scorpio disciple, once they've triumphed and mastered their materialistic selves, um, can look upon it all with great, from a great height of great vision. Um, so the triumphant is the, the sword bearer of the Lord of Life and brings in the energies of, of, of the kingdom of enlightened being into manifest space. Um, the ninth sign of the zodiac is Sagittarius, and Sagittarius is simply the archer that fires the arrows um, to a vision goal. Whatever the vision goal is, that's what the archer fires the arrow. The, it can be ambition, and the Sagittarian often is the most ambitious of all types of individuals, whatever the ambition is. It can be ambition to make lots of money or gain lots of sex or whatever it is, and they'll fire the arrow, arrow after arrow to gain that ambition. And um, 
And this particular symbol here, the archer, is is firing the arrow to the symbolism of what I call the kingdom of God, so the hierarchy of light with the seven rations. And here we've got um, seven rations, uh, their symbolism, symbolic colours, and uh, the kingdom of God in the very centre, the doorway into cosmic space. Now, the symbolism of Sagittarius has evolved through three signs, three symbols. One is the centre, the centaur. The centaur is man-beasts. You have the horse tied to a human torso, right? And that's the, the selfish, the, the, the animal-type quality of a human being tied to the thinking, the desire mind. Um, and the centaur roamed over the, um, the plains of the earth eating green things. It's got just something to do with activity. Um, this is another um, fire sign and another sign on the mutable cross, and therefore mutable activity has got to do with this horse quality. And Scorpio virtually sort of wiped out, I mean, um, Hercules in one of the labors actually virtually wiped out all the centaurs. Um, it was, I won't go into all the myths, it's too much, too long. But um, the centaur eventually evolved in the Aryan times into the ride on the horse. And you get the archer firing his arrows on you know very very fast fleeted horse. The horse is, is um, symbolically the, the 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 animal nature, if you wish, the desire element of the human being, and the rider is the mind. So it's the ability of the mind to conquer the the, the bestial or animal nature of the human being, all the personality qualities, and so and then the uh, the ability to fire the arrows. Um, is of course the ability to set, set yourself a goal and reach that goal, whatever the target is, and to race there very fast. So the, 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 the Sagittarian can very quickly, um, gain their, their ambitions, whether it's spirituality or whether it's gross materialistic designs. Um, and finally, in the, the higher sort of, uh, the higher version of the Sagittarian symbolism is just simply the arrow with a portion of the bow on it. Right, so um, we get the evolution of designs through many, many um, epochs of human history until eventually we have now in this present um, sixth root race, uh, fifth root race symbolism just of the arrow and a bit of the bow indicating the, the flight of the arrow towards its target. Um, so that's Sagittarius. Um, quickly, it's um, one-pointed ambition. Well, we've been describing that for the orthodox rule. And this is Jupiter. Jupiter is the second ray of love wisdom. Basically, what it means is they use a very, very um, a, a, a way of thinking that can see many things at once, and they look at this this um, this, this panorama before them, and they select what they want, and then they go after that thing. Um, that's for the average human being. The esoteric ruler is the earth itself. I won't go too much into that now. Um, but it's the directed arrow of aspiration. For the disciple, they aspire upwards. They, they fire the arrow to the mountaintop of a, of a of attainment of initiation, and they aspire to climb that. And so it's a directed arrow of aspiration. Technically, it, it's um, doing yoga, for instance, yoga meditation, and um, aspiring to bring all the energies into the head center. And um, for for the initiate, it's um, the avatar on the white horse, or the rider on the white horse. Um, he rides out as a world conqueror, as an avatar, having mastered all of life, and brings with him enormous spiritual treasure and power as he rides out with 
this is army of light behind him. Um, so Sagittarius is, is quite an interesting sign. Finally, or the tenth sign is not finally, but we're getting there. Um, the tenth sign is Capricorn the goat. Capricorn is um, always the symbol of attainment. Its um, symbolism is, is the mountain, if you wish, and the goat climbing the mountain. And um, the Capricornian, it's an earth sign again, the sort of the earth signs, and he's the most hard, cruel, materialistic being. Uh, the exoteric ruler is Saturn. Saturn in the uh, in the orthodox astrology is Tacaturn, um, melancholic, uh, sort of um, sometimes you know just hard, sometimes cruel, thinking materialists, um, you know rocky, and it's the Lord of Karma. Therefore, in Capricorn, when you see that, that's when much karma plays itself out. That's exoterically um, uh, hard, or often most cruel, materialistic man. Um, but spiritually, it can be transformed in the Mount of Initiation, the Mount of Ascension. There are three main symbols to do with the Capricorn. Um, I won't go into the geometry there, but the old symbol is the crocodiles, Makara, um, uh, a, a liver both on land and water. And um, they snap with, with quite vicious teeth. Once a crocodile grabs hold of something, it drags it into the water, into the emotions. Right? So it's basically the thinking quality. Um, and the next um, symbol of the evolution of symbol is the goat. Sure-footed goat that climbs up the, the craggy, sort of rocky path to the mountains and can live on virtually anything, anything materialism, anything materialistic. Um, they can find the, the green bits into the most, uh, the most difficult of landscapes. And that's the way that they think. They're very, very good thinkers. Um, and, um, so we've got the law of karma, the lord of karma. Um, and often most people think of karma as, as bad karma. And I think of karma in terms of things that disasters happen to them. If they've, they've suddenly sort of had a car accident, oh, this is karma. Or if they lost a lot of money, oh, this is karma. And very often people forget that most of the karma is good karma. Um, meeting lovers, for instance, can be good karma. Sort of, um, um, having a job could be good karma. Just being here in Amsterdam could be good karma. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, good karma is also, dished out here. So the law of karma is here. And the third symbolism of Capricorn is simply the unicorn. Basically once the goat has taken a climb to the mountain, the mountain top, um, it takes wings and it flies off. Flies off into the spiritual sky. And it's a symbol of the initiative of the third degree. Um, and therefore full enlightenment consciousness is the attainment in Capricorn. Once that's car, uh, this hard, rocky, cruel, materialistic self has been uh, mastered and one's karma has been cleansed. So it's a sign of cleansing of karma. Well, quickly now we'll go into the remaining two signs. The um, 11th sign of the zodiac, Capricorn is the 10th. Capricorn also sometimes is called the signature of God. Um, being the 10th sign, it's the most mysterious of all the signs. Um, it's got really to do with the mind of God and application, the signature of God. And the, the sign Capricorn is almost untranslatable because of the way it's written. The 11th sign is Aquarius, and this is the Aquarian age we're going into now. 
it means fluid, mutable um, energy exchanges. And um, its symbol is the air, and we're going therefore into an age of air. Um, levitation, for instance, um, the conquering of the air proper, and um, intuitional thinking. Uh, esoterically, uh, exoterically, we have Uranus as its ruler, the seventh ray of ceremonial magic. Esoterically, we have Jupiter, the second ray of love wisdom. And so you can see this is the age of love that's, that Aquarius is, is about. Uh, the Aquarian is the water bearer, and it has the another symbol I could have almost think is like an angel um, pairing the tarot card of, of pouring water into people's heart centers. And this is the waters of life, of the spirit. And um, Aquarius also is of group into relationships, group service, group work. It's the new tribalism. It's um, the higher correspondence of the old sort of um, tribal customs, say of the American Indians and Aboriginals and so forth. But on the higher and the higher thing, and we're no longer tied in a sense by uh, physical blood, but by spiritual blood, and that blood is consciousness, the consciousness of love, wisdom. Uh, so everything to do with Aquarius is fluid, it's mutable, it's airy. Um, exoterically, Aquarians are shallow. They, they put everything they've got in their, in their window, but there's nothing of substance behind it. So they're showy. They, they like to, you know, it's, it's like a lot of the new age, uh, new ages. They, they touch a little bit on this religion and touch a little bit on this philosophy and they take a little bit from there and they take a little bit from there. And when you add it all together, they don't really know much at all. Um, it's all out on the show. You know, they've done a little bit of Reiki, a little bit of Tai Chi, a little bit of astrology, a little bit of, um, this, uh, next sort of spiritual fad that's come along. And as I said, it doesn't really add up to all that much. There's no real depth. Of character there, and that's the average Aquarian on the whole, and also one of the most selfish of all the signs. Um, exoterically, the average Aquarian is very selfish, um, always for me, for me, for me. 